Oh, Hashem, I'm delighted to be with everyone. Uh, this is going to be, hope, lift us up. Uh, Rabbi Nachman says, he quotes the Gemara that says, when the month of Av comes in, we reduce Simcha, we reduce our joy. But we're supposed to be a very high level joy all the time. So we reduce a little bit. We still remain in joy. And the good news is that Meshach's fast on the way. So with Hashem's loving grace, we're about to learn our second lesson in Likutei Moran, the second discourse, Torah 2. And just as the prophet promises in the name of Hashem, lo when Mashiach comes, nobody's going to be left behind. And we're not going to do that either. Not in our Likutei Moran, sure. So every time, if it's your first time joining, we're going to give a synopsis of a previous sure. It'll be a synopsis to get the new people uh, on, on the program. And it helps that the ones that saw the lesson, it'll help us internalize uh, because every time we relearn something, we solidify our retention of it. Because every time we review, review solidifies retention. And so it's important when we learn to review. So even after you've seen this lesson, uh, it's based on some very deep secrets. And there's some things that people don't know about Torah 2. Within Torah 2, Rabbi Nachman only, not only tells us the secrets of Mashiach's weapon, that his weapon is prayer, but he tells us how to use it. And he tells us what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. So I think tonight's lesson, I'm going to go slowly because if, again, after we have to explain a lot of Kabbalistic terms, we put on our website group, I put a diagram that looks cryptic, but we're going to explain it. It'll be clear to everyone. And uh, we hope that everyone will get a lot of meaning and understanding deep in our emuna, because the whole purpose of our shurim is not to... It's not living room, not parlor room uh, philosophy. It's to get closer to Hashem. And that's what it's all about. And this is what Rabbi Nachman, his purpose and his teachings was not to just show what he knows, but to bring us all closer to Hashem. Okay, so in last week's lesson, we learned that the sword of Mashiach is prayer. So this week is going to show us how every one of us can use that powerful weapon. But since the weapon is so powerful, you have to use it the right way. Because if somebody has a powerful weapon, they use it wrong, they could blow themselves up. Okay, so last week, Rebbe Nachman taught us that Mashiach's life force comes from the word we say in Aramaic, Farduska, that's come from the Zohar. The Farduska is the canal of the nasal passage. Now, in this case, the canal of nasal passage that Mashiach's vital spirit or life force comes from is the partsuf of Arik Anpi. Now, we learned the partsufim. The partsufim are divine personifications of godliness. In other words, when the Torah tells us in Genesis that man was created in God's image, what does that mean? It's very cryptic because we learn in our third principle of Muna that Hashem has no bodily properties, no physical properties. But what does it mean to man's image? It's to enable us. In our own feeble, humble understanding, we have to understand, we cannot possibly, as long as our souls are trapped in the body, we cannot have true spiritual understanding. And that's why uh, the moment the soul leaves the body, it understands everything. The Gemara tells us that the moment the soul leaves the body, after it's 120 years on earth, it gives a scream that can be heard from one end of the universe to the other end of the universe. And it says, let me back in, let me back in. Now it knows things. And, and it's going to change my life. I want to could be close to Hashem. No, it's too late. It's too late. Now is the time when we're in this world, which is called Olam. Olam is come from the word Hebrew of concealment, which is Elim. And when God's light is concealed, and the way to find it 
is to study his Torah and to strengthen ourselves with the light of Amuna. And with the light of Amuna, Amuna is above logic. And Amuna hooks us in above nature because logic is nature. Amuna goes above nature. So what the great news about Amuna, since it is above logic and above nature, miracles are above nature. So for a, a person on a level of Amuna, miracles are natural. And I just think that people write me all the time about how they have their, their miracles in their life that couldn't possibly be according to nature. That's a Shem. Give me a smile in your life. Here I am. Shem showing you a smile. Okay. Now, since Torah 2 is so deeply based on Kabbalah, we have to familiarize ourselves with some of Kabbalah's basic concepts. I'm going to review them. And these are the Sfirot, the divine spheres, the 10 divine spheres, and the parts of theme. These are the divine personifications. So uh, last week when we did so, we stressed that everything we're speaking about, we've got to be very careful because it's a metaphor. And it's all metaphor for us to grasp the concept of the Holy One, blessed be He, because there is no physicality as we learned in our third principle of Amuna, that the Almighty defies any, defies any physicality, has no physicality, no form whatsoever. So when we speak about divine light or even divine illumination, we're not talking about light, like light bulb or light of the sun or light as we know it, because even that, it's sublime physicality, but it's still physicality because it can be measured on light spectrum. We have the light waves. We can measure light waves and the, the, the length of the waves. So divine energy, it's different from any other physical energy because there's no atoms. There's no way you can divine, even no microscopic, though it's invisible. And it, it, it doesn't get spiritual. 100% spirituality. There's no physicality. And that's our third principle of Amuna, that Hashem defies physicality. And that's why it's so important that a person can't learn Gemara, can't learn Kabbalah, can't learn Torah, unless he has a solid, he or she has a solid base of Amuna, because everything is based on Amuna. If someone doesn't have deep entrenched in their soul that Hashem is one, which is the second principle of Amuna, and the Shem has no bodily nor corporeal properties, which is the third principle of Muna. Can't even begin to learn because it can be confused, uh, going to end up being a total agnostic or, or atheistic and make a person crazy. And there are things that a person that learns Kabbalah or Gemara, any Torah without Emuna, make it crazy. They'll either use it the wrong way or they'll blow themselves up. It's nuclear power that they, instead of illuminating a city with a power plant, they're blowing up the city with making a nuclear bomb. So you have to be very careful. So let's never, ever, ever forget two principles. You'll see me repeat them over and over and repeat them. <laughs> it's just like in the army, when you're in the infantry, you take apart a rifle 10,000 times, you do it in your sleep. I repeat these principles 100,000 times until we eat it, drink it, breathe it, sleep it. Number one, Hashem defies physicality. And number two, Hashem is one. So even though we talk about different divine personifications, it's like talking about the head, the arm, the right arm, the left arm, the eye. Are we talking about, we're not talking about different entities. We're talking about the same body, but they're different parts of the same body, different manifestations of the same body and different things. The eye sees and the mouth speaks or tastes, but we're not talking about two different things. Okay, the same thing with the spheres. The spheres are like parts of the body. And we'll see the spheres are, uh, the body is a metaphor for the spheres, as we'll soon see. Okay, so a partsuf that we talk about, this important principle in Kabbalah, a partsuf literally means a face, but it's a metaphorical figure 
of human likeness, what we call a personification. And it's used to represent the arrangement of the individual spheral into a complete body that has 10 interacting spheral on its own. We have the different interspheres. We have Keter and then Chachma mentioned it with all the way down. Chesed, Gvorah, Tiferet, Netzachod, Yesod, Okay, These are different spheral, but how do they interact? When we put them together in a puzzle, like taking pieces of a puzzle, and we put them together in a particular part, Suf, now they interact with one another. They connect to one another like parts of a puzzle. And this makes the particular divine personification. And we're going to soon learn the basic, which are the basic uh, sphero, uh, the basic parts of him and the sphero. So we see this is the same way that people understand. Geneticists don't know what they're learning. If geneticists understood Kabbalah, they'd realize that this is the genetics, DNA, this is a actually a metaphor for fertility also, that Shem created uh, man and human beings because we see in DNA, every single cell in the body has an entire chromosome map to the, the whole body. Just like in a particular part, Suf, in a divine personification, every single sphere has all the 10 spheres. It's all self-contending. It's all spheres. It's a sphere within a sphere within a sphere. So really, godliness is like a... a, a, a an onion, one layer and an inner layer, more inner layer, more inner layer, more inner layer. And the way it works is that the outer layer is like the body for the next inner layer. And that next inner layer is like the body for that next inner layer. The next inner layer is the soul to the immediate outer layer connected to it. Okay. And that's why it keeps going on and, and continues on. Okay. Uh, so we see that, uh, our entire DNA is reflected in the chromosome app with every single cell in the body. And from here, Job learns that uh, from my flesh, I can see God. This is a Job, he says in chapter 19, verse 26. Okay, uh, Rabbi Arya, maybe you want to check the techniques. I think maybe, the, I don't know if it's by everyone else, but uh, the picture is frozen by us. Uh, I don't know if can people you can hear if the broadcast is coming through okay. Fumani, you can hear okay? The broadcast? All right, let me see. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, so now, simply speaking, we hear everything okay, but it, the, the audio is fine. The video is frozen. Okay, the <laughs> All right, Okay, frozen video. All right, the, the weather's hot, but the video is frozen. Okay, lovely. You see that the evil inclination. And I knew something's going to happen tonight. He's not going to let us get away scot free tonight. No, no. Okay, so simply speaking, we talk of five parts of theme. They're really six, but the top one is so far behind our comprehension, we don't even mention it. And when we mention Hashem's name, we're already talking about personifications, partsufim, because really the core of godliness is called the Ein Sof. The Ein Sof means the infinite. And that light cannot reach us unless it comes down to the partsufim, like it's our example of the power plant and the electricity that comes from uh the the power plant can't reach your living room it comes down to a theories of constrictions and contractions so we start off that the the ain't self it gives its initial light to a part suf a personification that is way beyond our understanding it's called the ancient of days atik yomin and this comes from the inner dimension of keter and keter way behind way beyond our understanding and then we have the outer dimension of Keter, 
which is Arik Anpin. Arik Anpin is the first, Arik Anpin is the first, uh, the first part suf that we have some type of relationship that the Zohar speaks about and extends downwards. And it's the source of divine compassion that comes from Keter. Keter is divine will. From divine will, this comes down to Abba. Abba means father. This is the emulation of Chochmah, of wisdom, insight. And it's the root of intellect on the right side of the sphere. We're going to learn uh, also tonight that the three main columns of sphere, the right side, the left side, and the center. Okay, and it's very important for what we'll learn. It's very important to learn about the secret of Mashiach. Uh, one thing, I, I think if you have it printed out your chart, if the fruit picture is frozen, then I won't be able to use the chart. Yeah, thank you. That's an evil nation. He didn't want me to use that. To put a lot of work into preparing that to so help everyone understand that. But uh, maybe uh, maybe go back on. Okay. Rabbi Arya, pray that the picture comes back on so we can use the chart. All right. So from Abba, we go to Ima. Ima's mother. Ima's the left side. That's Bina. That's understanding. And that's from the left side of the spheroid. And what she is, she is the internalization, the understanding. She's the internalization of what to get the revelation of wisdom on the right side. Okay. Briefly, once again, we talked about that. This we'll have to we'll have to use this, and we could at least use the chart because the chart that we're going to be up here. I'll show you briefly. We'll do it again. Here is a chart of the spherot, and the chart of the spherot shows a image of the body in the background. Okay, this is my poor art that has to do what I'm limited with what I could do in a computer. And what we have is the right side. On the right side is Chachma and Chesed and Netzach. And then we have the center that begins with Keter. Keter is really way above the head. It's way above the brain. And then uh, it's Gadas down to Tiferet. And then down to Yisod, then down to Malchut. And on the left side is Bina, Gvura, and Hod. We're going to explain how that works. We'll explain that a little bit later. So bear with us. Okay, so then we have from Abba and Ima, which is either father and mother, it goes down. They like spiritually give birth to the next personification, which is Zer Anpin. Zer Anpin, when we say Yudke Vovke, we say A-D-O-N-I-A, we are actually directing to Zer Anpin, but it's really the proper way to do it is to have our thoughts on Ein Sof. Even though we don't limit our prayers, we want to go as high as possible. And the Zohar, in the Zohar, Rebbe Himnuna, he would direct his prayers to, uh, well, it was high, but, but past. He wanted, but it's the difference between the Arichainpin and Zer Arichainpin is a long face, Zer Anpin is the short face, is that Arik Anpin is nothing but divine compassion. In the source of godliness, it is all divine compassion. So as it filters down to this world, it is affected, godliness is affected by our deeds. King David says this in Psalm 121, Hashem Silcha, Hashem is your shadow. And what happens is that Hashem reacts the way we act. In other words, if this is already our 11th principle of Amuna, that the way we act, that's the way Hashem reacts toward us. Uh, if we do good, then we get smiled at. And if we transgress the Torah, heaven forbid, we don't get smiled at. All right, this is already, this begins 
a, a system of judgment that on Zeranpin, but above Zeranpin, it's all compassion, compassion, compassion. So our scholars, and this is one thing that Mashiach is going to be able to do, will be able to circumvent the judgment and go to the source of compassion. And this is one of the power of Mashiach. We'll learn how, how he's going to do that. And so then from Zeranpin comes Nukva. Nukva is uh, the female. That's Malchut. That's the Lachadodi. We sing, we sing about it on Shabbat. Lachadodi. Likrat Kala. That's the Shabbos of Malka. That is the divine presence in this world. Okay, that's the Kala. She's called the bride. Right now, the nasal passage that's Mashiach's a vital life force. It comes from the personification, the partsuf of Arach Anpin, which is up there in the configuration of Keter, way beyond our understanding. And in that contains, it's not just Keter, it contains all the 10 spheres, like in the DNA, like in every cell. Every cell contains all the other, all the other spheres. Okay, now at this lofty level, like we said, divine light—it's nothing but compassion, nothing but compassion, and stern judgment doesn't yet manifest itself. So, from the right nostril of Arichanpin is the life spirit of Zer, where judgment begins, and from the left nostril is the life spirit of Mashiach. Mashiach gets his, his soul from a very high place. Now, the nose is an indication of divine patience, because the divine patience, what we call patience in, in, in the Torah, calls patience erechapayim, length of the nose. Length of the nose is called, that, that's patience, erechapayim. This is one of the 13 principles, the divine attributes, of the, uh, one of the 13 divine attributes. So at this level, that's where uh, mercy and patience Begin at Zeranpin. Above that, there's no judgment at all. Okay, so there's three aspects of the nose we learn. It's a life spirit that Hashem breathed the spirit. In Genesis, we learn that. Some breathe through Adam, the spirit through his nose, smell, and patience and anger. The Hebrew word for anger is af, the bad angel for the anger that reflects divine anger. It's called af, the same word for nose. Okay, and these are the same aspects of prayer because prayer gives us a life spirit. Prayer has a spirit, a spiritual smell like the like the world to come. And prayer, it uh it's an antidote to anger, anger upstairs. So the spirit of Mashiach, the soul of Mashiach comes from such a high place that the Prayers can reach the Chotam Elyon, which is the upper nose of Arachimpin, and that's the place where Rabbi Hanun and the elder and the Zohar he prayed to, and that was to circumvent divine judgment and to invoke compassion on and everything you prayed for, and that is a powerful prayer, and it cuts through all types of barricades, and this is where we learned that Mashiach's weapon is prayer because that prayer is going to cut through barricades. It's going to cut through enemy tanks and enemy defenses. And there is nothing in the enemy that can stop the prayers of Mashiach. This is prayer is so powerful. Now, here's the good news. Every single one of us, the Mashiach has a general soul. Mashiach has the sparks of every, everyone. This we will all be able to relate to Mashiach. So since Mashiach has a general soul, the sparks of everyone. And this is King David had a soul like that. Moses had a soul like that. Uh, Aaron, the high priest, had a soul like that. And that's why Aaron, the high priest, could understand everything that was 
everything that bothered a person, everything that bothered, because he, he felt it, felt it himself. He knew when Yom Kippur, when he was praying in the Holy of Holies, just what to pray for. Okay, so every one of us can attain that same powerful element. And how do we get that? We get the sword of Mashiach, which is the sword of prayer by way of personal holiness. Personal holiness, and because of what a person holds himself or herself in personal holiness, that means not violating, uh, no debauchery, not violating the laws of Torah. And that is the flawless weapon that Jacob had, because Jacob was impeccable in first way in personal holiness. And that's why Joseph was able to inherit it from Jacob. Want to see how? According to Kabbalah, this one of the secrets of Rabbi Nachman is telling us in Torah. Uh, people, if you learn Rabbi Nachman superficially, it's going to fly over our heads. And so we'll take it very slowly, and we're going to see something amazing. Okay, so that brings us, we're all up to date. And now we continue on uh, with Likate Moran. We're now, if you're following in Likate Moran, this is letter Gimel in Hebrew. I don't know if it's annotated in English, letter three. Okay. And Rabbi Nachman says, And whoever is worthy of this sword, if you reserve, if you deserve that sort of prayer, you have to know how to fight battle with it. Okay. Don't miss the target. Don't go too far to the right. Don't go too far to the right. And you have to hit the hair's breath. In other words, you're so accurate with your sword, you can split a hair with it. Where does he get this from? This expression of splitting a hair this comes from chapter 20 in the book of Judges. It's talking about the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin, they were mighty fighters. And what was a, there was a war between Benjamin and the other 11 tribes. Terrible war. And before the other tribes overcame, Benjamin killed 40,000 of the other tribes. He was such a, he could, with the, whatever weapon he used was accurate. It was so accurate, right on top. And this is, this is what uh, Rebbe Nachman, he quotes this that we should be like this ability to be right on target. That's the name of tonight's lesson, right on target, and not to go not too much to the right, not too much to the left, to be able to strike a hair. In other words, take that sword and split a hair with the sword. That's just how accurate it is, and that means to be right on target. Okay, so what does Rabbeinu mean? Rabbeinu means our, our Rebbe. We're talking about, so when I say Rabbeinu, it's Rabbi Nachman. If you're new to us. Okay. What does Rabbeinu mean? Not to go too far to the right and not to go too far to the left. Our prayers are both like a bow and arrow and like a sword. And this imagery that the Torah uses, that Jacob, when he captured Shechem, exactly, as you say, we spoke about this last week, that it was actually Levi and Shimon that captured Shechem, but it was done by word of Jacob's prayers. Jacob says in the Torah, I captured Shechem with my sword and my bow. We said, wait a second. We saw that Levi and Shimon went in and they killed the people of Shechem. Well, what's Jacob talking about? Well, Onkelos, he translates them in his Aramaic interpretation, the time of the, the, the Second Temple, the spoken language in Israel was Aramaic. Torah was only in learning. Torah was in the, the, the Hebrew, the law of holy, the language of holiness was not used in every day. Every day street was Aramaic, Aram in Syria. It was like uh, uh, half Hebrew, half Arabic, what we call Aramaic. And this is what's called Targum. Uh, this is what 
uh, Unculus was a righteous convert. He came from Rome. He was a nephew of Caesar. He gave up his whole, he was a right, rightfully like to be Caesar. He gave it all up to become a righteous convert. Unculus was on a very high level, and he wrote an entire commentary on Torah. Unculus writes that when Jacob says that he captured Shem with his bow and his sword, he said, slow side, bow side. He said, he captured Jim with his, the, the bow and the sword means his prayers and his requests. Remember Torah, Aleph, in the first Torah, we learned that there's two sides to prayer, two sides to prayer. There's a request side when we ask for what we need, and there is a praise side where we praise Hashem. And this we see this in the, the first three blessings of the, of the Shemaniah side. There's praise, and then do the middle blessings that we request. And this is the same aspect of, of prayer. So these are the two sides of the sword. Okay. So now, what does Rebbe Nachman mean? And if they really go, go into to a little bit of Kabbalah background to understand this is really meaningful and help you understand everything. It's really satisfying. Okay, what does he mean not to go to the right or the left and to be on target? Okay, when we veer too much to the right, the right is an aspect of Yishmoel. There's what's called a spirit of unholiness. It's called a klipa. A klipa literally means a husk, but it's a spirit of unholiness. When we veer to the right, we fall off target, and we go into a realm of unholiness that's called Yishmoel. Now, the right, what's about Yishmoel? Yishmoel is on the right. The right side, as we see here, the right side is on Chesed. Chesed comes to the right side. The right side was Arab's characteristic. Chesed is a right side characteristic. So the attribute of Chesed, which is compassion, that was Yishmoel. But there's dark side, sitra, achra, compassion. I'll give you an example. Uh, a prostitute, she's right side compassion. She's giving to everybody. But that, that's not the holy compassion. That's unholy compassion. And the same thing, Yishmoel, we go out of the borders of holiness and go into the realm of Yishmoel with prayer. So veering to the right in prayer, that is fake emuna. Where a person says, oh, my Amun is so strong. I don't need to pray. And the Shem's going to do Shem, give me whatever I want. And I believe in a Shem and I've been player. And he says, okay, it says, well, thanks, Shem. I need a, a new Maserati. And that's finished. Oh, I've got Amuna. I asked the Shem for my Maserati. That's it. Who said it's good for you? Who said that? that that's fake Amuna. That's not real Amuna. Oh, Shem's going to give me a new Maserati. And then, and then people are disappointed. They fall off the program because they fell into the right side. That's fake Amuna. Okay, so another right side unholiness, which is Yishmoel, is when a person thinks that prayer is needless, that prayer is superfluous, because there's two big mistakes that are connected to Yishmoel. Torah talks about two big mistakes, and this is the secrets that within the Torah, and once again, you can't learn Torah face value. The secrets are so, so very, very deep, and we're trying to keep this simple. Remember. When Hashem, in Genesis chapter 17, told Abraham that, that you're going to have, you're going to have your seed from Sarah, your real wife. Okay, the other one, she's a concubine. All right, that's a, that that that's not your your seed. That's the offspring, Ishmael. So Abraham heard. He's got son. He says, "What about my son from my concubine? He waited long, waited 86 years to get Ishmael." And so he said three words: "Lu Ishmael yichyeh." 
He says, Hashem, only should Yishmael live. We're still fighting that problem today. We're still fighting that problem because all the, uh, our enemies and uh, the, the, the Jews, that's all, from the, that's all from the spiritual husk of Yishmael. And Abraham, he said, this, this was a misplaced prayer because of Yishmael. Abraham temporarily misplaced the prayer. Okay, he should have asked that. Okay, that you know, he should have asked that. You know, this would only be a sham. You're blessing it. It should be. I've been waiting for waiting so many years. It went a hundred years to to get Yitzchak. Okay, but he prayed. He, he, we're still paying the price for that prayer because Abraham's prayer was a, It came from an excess of compassion. This is not the right place. It was too far to the right. Okay, so there's another thing the Torah tells us when Yishmoel was deathly sick. Abraham, Sarah said to Abraham, send the concubine away and send her with the kid. Yishmoel was playing with a bow and arrow because he was playing, he was shooting arrows at Yitzchak's head. He put an apple on Yitzchak's head, was shooting arrows at Sarah. Saw this. She, well, this a good day. she waited for so many, 90 years for the son and, and, and here the concubine son going to kill him. He said, send him away. Send him away. This is not, uh, he can't grow up with my son. My son can't grow up with the influence of this crook. So sent him in the desert, and Yishmuel was about to die. And Hagar, she left him under a tree, and she went, and she cried under her own tree. And Yishmuel gave one little cry. And then the Torah says that Hashem heard Yishmuel's cry, Basham. And this is also Yishmuel, from, from one cry, from one yell, Allah Akbar, that from one Allah Akbar, that, that the prayer should be answered. Okay, this is the clip of Yishmuel. And we're not like that. We're not like that. We pray. And we pray persistently and pray the right, we got to pray the right way. So that's too far to the right. That's too far to the right. And that's another right side, unholy mistake of prayer. And that's how Yishmoel got his name. Vayishma Elohim. If we take the letters, the inner letters, Vayishma Elohim, Yishmoel. Vayishma Elohim. Yishmoel. It came from this that Hashem heard his prayer. But Hashem heard his prayer. This is very different. This is the clip of Yishmoel. It's too little prayer. It's fake imuna. It's when somebody thinks they don't need to pray, or when somebody thinks that their pray is uh, they don't need to pray at all, or a little bit of prayer, or else maybe sometimes they get lucky and they get a quick salvation. They get a quick salvation. Once they get their quick salvation, they're finished. They're they're down the road. Okay, no thanking Hashem. That, that, that's Yishmuel. So the metaphor of the bow. That is indicative of the side of Yishmoel because bow is keshet in the language of the Torah, in the only language, my bow, and my bow is bekashti. Bekashti is the same word as bakashati, my prayer. The same exact word, slightly different vowel. And this is right here. And so it's this indicates the first half of the prayer that we learned about in Torah 1. So that was the bow of Jacob. When he says that he conquered with this bow, that he conquered Shechem, no, he was saying it was with, with his prayers, with his prayers, Hashem, protect Shimon and Levi. Their zealots, they're going in, they're, they're fighting a whole town, protect them. And this is what this divine protection, what really Jacob did, Jacob was the aerial umbrella. He was the, he was the, they, they called in the artillery, they called in the air support. He was the air support for Shimon and Levi. Okay, so according to Kabbalah, Yishmoel is the spiritual impurity. Now listen to this. This is really interesting. So we learned that Yishmoel, he comes from the right side. Yishmoel 
was from Abraham. You remember Abraham's father was an idolater, Terach. Okay, so Abraham had to purify himself of these impurities. So according to Kabbalah, Yishmoel is the spiritual impurity that left Abraham's soul. Now, this is something very important. Rabbi Nachman explains this in the later Torah. Where does the male seed come from? It comes from biologically. It comes from the reproductive organs by way of the spine. And the spine connects to the brain. It originates in the brain. Now, what's up there in the brain? Up there in the brain is the soul. That's in the brain. So that's why a person's thoughts at the time of conception can really show the Gamora Tractate in Adorium talks about the profound influence that a person's thoughts at the time of conception have on a child. Okay, so what happened with the seed that Yishmoel was conceived of, out of Abraham came whatever residue of spiritual impurity that was left in him. So then, J- then Isaac, Yishmoel's half-brother, Okay, Yishmuel once again was born of Hagar, and Isaac was born of, of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Isaac was born of a, a, a much cleaner, much cleaner, more refined, more refined seed. So Yishmuel's soul comes from the side of Chesed, but it's the dark side of Chesed. It's the raw, uncorrected part of Avraham. So that is the klipa of Yishmuel. That is the, the spiritual anatomy of the klipa of, his, of Yishmuel. So now... Veering to the left, let's hope everybody, that's veering to the right. So what happens when it's to the left? Rabbi Nachman explains that earlier in, in Torah 2, that Esau, Esau, Esau disdained the birthright, and he sold it to Jacob. What is that birthright? The birthright, prayer is the birthright of every one of us. If we're born into the world, and we're all sons and daughters of Hashem, we have a basic birthright. We have a right to pray. Nobody can take the right of pray. To, to, nobody can stop us from praying. Nobody can take that away from us. Even if a person is locked up in a prison in Siberia, can't take it to prayer, put it in solitary confinement, can still pray. This is something that Hashem assured that no one could ever take from us. This is our birthright. So what did Esau do? Esau disdained his birthright. He disdained prayer. And he sold it for a bowl of, of, of lentils and, and a loaf of bread. And he sold it to Jacob. And this was that with the, where the Torah tells us that he disdained the birthright. He said he didn't, he didn't need prayer. He lived by the sword. And that was his blessing, blessing or curse, whichever one he calls it. But in Genesis chapter 27, that he lived by the sword. So Esau's weapon from the dark side is the sword. His we learned that Jacob's spiritual weapons that again overnamed uh, over that enabled him to overcome the Canaanite nations was a sword and his bow. And Uncleus tells us, like we mentioned, Bekashti and Baharbi, sword and his bow. And Rabbeinu teaches us that the only holy side of fake emuna and too little prayer, that's the right side, husk, the klipa of Ishmael. But Asaph, with his atheism, and his refusal to pray and his denial of God, that comes from the only unholy realm of the left side. So the klipa of Yishmoel is the klipa, the spiritual unholiness of agnosticism, of atheism, of non-belief. And that's what you see in modern society. That's the, this is this is the worst diaspora, the gullets of, of, of Esau, 
because here you can see in modern society, it's all a denial of Torah and political correctness is what the Torah calls abominations. And if you don't hold by these abominations, you're not with it, and you're a homophobe, an LGBT phobe, and this phobe, and that phobe. Oh, but it's, it goes against Torah. No, it's not popular. But you see, that is Esau. That is the klipa, the unholiness of Esau. And we see it here. Now that comes, where did Esau get that? Isaac had two sons. Isaac had one son, Jacob, and he had one son, Esau, the two twins. So the same thing that happened to Abraham, Isaac has still had a residue on the left side. The left side was Isaac's characteristic. He's from Gvora. I might, that was Isaac, had no problem putting his neck on the altar, sacrificing his widow to be sacrificed to Hashem. And that he would do anything, anything to get close to Hashem, anything for Hashem. But he had something that was still impure, impure residues from Adam, from Terach, from, from, from earlier generations. The impure residue went into the seed that created Esau. The seed that created Jacob was fully refined. Now, it was fully refined from the side of Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, and was fully refined from the side of Jacob's father, Isaac. Therefore, there is no impurity that comes out of Jacob. All Jacob's 12 sons were holy. There's no Ishmael or no Esau. There, there's no, uh, no off the derech kid that came off of that, that came off of, uh, of of Jacob. They're all tzaddikim. They're all perfect. And this is why Jacob he was the sword. He had both sides, the two edged sword of prayer. Okay. So now that we learn the right side and we learn the left side, what do they happens when they come together in holiness? This is the Mida of Tiferet. Let's see once again the table. Here we have, again, the Keter we start, the right side part of the brain, the wisdom, that's Chochmah. The left side is Bina, that's wisdom understanding. It comes down, it melds. What our brain, our intellect is really Das. We, the Chochmah, which is wisdom and Bina understanding, they come from the Keter. They're, they're above, above what we can, we can grasp. But what manifests itself, our intellect, this actually should be up here. Okay, but this is Das. That is the manifest intellect within us. And then the manifest intellect filters down to the right side, which is chesed, compassion, and the left side, which is gevura. And once again, as we learn, every, every sphere has the holy side, which is within here, the partsuf, and within, within our body or within the divine personification, that, because we're in the divine image, but they all goes out. So we see on the right side, what fell out to the side of holiness was the side of Yishmoel, Yishmoel. And on the left side, what fell out on the side of holiness was Esau. All right. Jacob, he came from a purified grandfather, which was Abraham, and a purified father, which was Isaac. And then he comes down here and he's Tiferet. We see that Abraham is Chesed, purified grandfather. Isaac is Gvura, purified father. These two purifications give the pure, pure, pure Tiferet, which is beauty. Tiferet is also another word for praise of Hashem and prayer. Okay, so now Tiferet comes down, and this is Jacob Tiferet. Jacob is right on target, and we see here, we don't understand Keter, and we have our own intellect, Das, that's a tiny part of Hashem, our brains, but they're all, this is the middle pillar 
the middle pillar, this is right on the target. It's not too much to the right and not too much to the left. In other words, we don't we have a, a fake Amuna, which could take us to the right and the outside, and we certainly don't have agnosticism, which could carry us out on the left side. We stick in the middle, which is Tiferet. This is the proper measured prayer. This is prayer with Amuna, and this is a prayer repeated with Amuna, and it is prayer. What happens when a person complains, plays a prayer, Sham, I deserve this, Sham, why are you doing this? This is too much on the left. And when a person thinks, ah, Hashem, everything you're going to do, everything fine. I don't need to do anything. I can sleep in bed. And then just my moon is so great. That's too much on the right. So we have tempered thing, which we are ishtadlis, our basic effort and prayer. You can see all about this in the language of Amuna, or language of Amuna. But I, I wouldn't go too into it. We'll stay on, on the topic. We'll stay on target. Now we're on target with Tiferet. So we continue on. And Rebbe Nachman says, okay, he tells us how to stay on target without veering too much to the right or to the left. So Rabbeinu says, So we learn from Rabbi Nachman that it is impossible to stay on target without the attribute of mishpat. Mishpat is justice. So what is justice? Justice, this is the central pillar. Justice continues, this is the central pillar because uh, you can't have justice just from the right, which is mercy and compassion. And you can't have it just from the left with this no mercy and no compassion, only steer judgment, letter of the law. So justice, divine justice, it's not just letter of the law where you get the book thrown at us. And because sometimes if people say, it, oh yeah, you were speeding. Wait, wait a second, I, I'm rushing my wife to ask, but I don't care, you were speeding, you go past the limit. Letter of the law doesn't care whether you're rushing your wife to she needs to give birth or, or your son is about to have a emergency appendectomy. Letter of law doesn't care about that. Compassion cares about that. But then compassion is often too lenient. So we take the lenience of compassion, which is chesed, and we take the letter of the law that's kavur and we get mishpat. This is divine justice. This is right in the middle. That's right on target. So our prayer has to be together with divine justice. That's mishpat. And that strikes the precise point. And that way, what's the price point? We hit bullseye, our prayers get answered and they get accepted. And this is what it corresponds to what King David says in Psalm 112. He handles his affairs with mishpat. Yechalkel dvarav mishpat. So what does he mean by that? It means that uh, everything that Mashiach prays for it is honed in on this divine justice. And Mashiach knows how to take everything in. He knows how to hit the bullseye, hit the target. And that's why Mashiach will be able to accomplish anything he needs to do with prayer. And this is an example for us. So now we go on. How does Mashiach get all this? We're, we're up here in Teferit with Jacob. And now Mashiach is down here. Wait a second. And we see how Mashiach receives this sort of prayer. Rabbi Nachman says, Yosef. Mashiach doesn't get it straight from Jacob. Joseph was the epitome of personal holiness. We see Joseph, he was tested by Potiphar's wife. He jumped out the window. He could have broken both legs. He didn't know, but he'd rather jump out the window. She pulled off his cloak. He jumped out the window in his uh, long johns and took the chance of breaking both legs in order to to prevent being involved in something you shouldn't have been involved in. Okay, this is the reason 
that Joseph received the right of the firstborn and not Reuven, who was biologically the firstborn, but Reuven messed up. Remember, he took uh, when when Rachel died, Jacob moved his bed into Bila's tent. Bila, she was the concubine, she was the concubine, she was the maidservant of Rachel. And Reuven was, uh, was upset. He was indignant about that. So he took his father's bed and he put it in his mother's tent, Leah. He says, my mother, she's the rightful wife. You shouldn't go to concubine. He had no business telling his father what to do. He had no business touching his father's bed. Jacob's bed was holy. Jacob, in his whole life, never spilled an iota of seed. It was all in the context of reproduction, all in the context of family gratification, just as the Torah tells. So by Jacob, by by Reuven interfering in his father's conjugal life, it's considered as if he interfered with his father's wives, and that's that's why he lost he lost the birthright. The birthright went to Joseph because Joseph was impeccable in that particular area of personal prayer, a personal holiness that is so necessary for prayer that Jacob was impeccable. So he passes down to Joseph. Now, how do you pass this down? Here we're right on home, right in the middle. Jacob is Tiferet. Okay, Joseph, who is the epitome of personal holiness, he's Yesod. Yesod here is, this is personal holiness. Yesod is the sphere that corresponds to the reproductive mechanism in the personification, divine personification. Uh, we say when when the uh, Hashem comes together with the divine presence, it's really one, because up in, we we come to down this world, our souls, which are part of godliness, our souls are split on, split into a male side and a female side. And our souls have to come together in a physical union. That's what marriage is all about. But in godliness, there's no physical union. Hashem, this is, imagine this imaginary union comes together. And just as two bodies give birth to a physical body, that the divine union gives birth to the soul, which comes down in the body, something necessary to understand. So this is what we talk about and the bond of Amuna, we talk about marriage, your husband, your wife, it's not another body, it's not a strange person. And people really mess up when they get divorced right and left, they change Western society, change their spouse, they change your socks. Uh, your spouse is the other half of your soul, literally the other half of your soul. And when you realize that, then you can begin to have shalom by, you have been marital peace. So now what Jacob does, right on target, says Joseph he is personal holiness. He's right on target. This is the middle. Amunadamsita. This is the middle pillar. He's Yesod. This comes down to Yesod. Now, what's going to happen now in the same way, Mashiach is going to come and Mashiach is going to be the epitome of personal holiness. Oh, God is either not going to be a single thing. So Mashiach stays in the middle. Where's Mashiach come from? The sphere of Malchut. So we see something beautiful. We see the evolution of the light of Mashiach, which is Tiferet, which Jacob, down to Yesod, which is Joseph. And Joseph is going to pass this down to Malchut. King David was Malchut, and also Mashiach. Now, what's Mashiach going to do? Why this is so powerful? We say the light of Keter can't reach us. When Mashiach comes, Mashiach is bringing this light. It's going to come down. This was what Isaiah talks about, chapter 60. When Mashiach comes, 
because he's be able to bring the light of Ketu, this light we can't even fathom. And by way of his prayers to bring this light down, nobody could stand, nobody could resist Mr. Yach, because it is a powerful light, uh, atomic power is pitch black darkness compared to the light of Mashiach. And that's why he's going to win all his battles just from his prayer. And to bring this light down where there's going to be a spiritual thirst in the world like you've never seen. All right. So we're going to hold up here. And as you get excited, we're going to continue on next week. By the way, next week is Tisha B'Av. Uh, it's already Tisha B'Av in Israel. And it'll be the afternoon of uh, Tisha B'Av in uh, America. Uh, we're not learning Torah and Tisha B'Av. So we will see one another with Hashem's help in another two weeks, okay? And meanwhile, God bless. Everyone should have an easy fast and a lovely week. And we should all see Mashiach and a rebuilt Holy Temple very soon. All right, lovely week and everyone stay healthy. God bless.